They don't have guests, they have contestants. 10 Questions with Kyle Brandt is the perfect game show and talk show hybrid that you need. Check out 10 Questions exclusively on Spotify. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA Finals starts now, and FanDuel is the place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs on FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states or 18 plus in D.C. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. Life is full of tough decisions, and thanks to USAA Auto Insurance, picking your auto coverage isn't one of them. Make the switch to USAA Auto Insurance and find out how you could save. Get a quote today. Restrictions apply. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. And joining me as he does every Friday from the ringer.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Blizzarian, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin it's Friday. It is Friday, and I have not been the same since last evening, Kevin. I'm going to tell you this, that uh, we today on the show, we're going to go through all the news and notes, things that are relevant within the NBA, and then we are going to answer email submissions that we have gotten from our listeners, and we have gotten overwhelmed by the amount of submissions. So we will get to as many questions as we can today, but I have not been the same since last evening when Sasha sent to us and one of our emails, this is not a question, so I want to do this off the top. It was from one of our listeners, Evan, and he sent us a picture of kittens. Yes. Kittens. Now, why on earth would a listener send us pictures of kittens when we have asked for email submissions for questions to answer on the show? Upon reading said email, Evan says to us he does not have a question, but he did want to alert us that as he has taken on these kittens in foster care, he is such a big fan of the show that he has named one of them Chris Pernan and the other one Kevin O'Catter. Yes. And they are <laughs> kittens. And then there's another one, uh, Bill, uh, <laughs> what is it? Simeowens Simo- or something like yeah, that? Bill, Bill Simeow. Bill <laughs> Bill Simeons, Simeowens, <laughs> Simeowens, Bill Simeowens, yes. Yeah, he's a big <laughs> fan amazing. of Bills too. Chris Pernan and Kevin O'Catter. I never, I never in life thought I would uh, have a cat named after me, but here we are. Here we are. We are really, we are touching people in a way that I, uh, I was unaware to the point where uh, somebody named their pets. 
after us. It's beautiful. <laughs> that, that that email really just made my night. It made it my week. It made my month. Made my year. It was wonderful, Chris. Beautiful kittens. And thank you, Evan, for you know taking great care of them. <laughs> taking great care of them. Um, I hope. I I I I gotta tell you, I looked at the the picture that the guy sent, and I I looked at the. There's three uh, kittens in the picture, and when I saw the picture, I was like, that one better be me. Like, I, I mean, wanted, I, immedi- I, I, wanted to, I wanted to be the one on the bottom, the one kind of looking up at the camera. I am. I immediately had a connection <laughs> to, to one of the kittens. And so I'm hopeful that it is Chris Pernan. <laughs> we should uh, email Evan back and ask for permission to post the photo. Yeah. Uh, all right. I'll, let's I'll get respond to, after we record and share. Let's get to everything that took place <laughs> last night. Um, I came home from the Grizzlies versus the Clippers, which was not much of a game at all. Uh, it was a it was a run out. The Grizzlies really blasted them last Justice night. Justice Winslow, baby. Um, yeah, Justice Winslow finally, who had had uh, did not uh, he was not good the first two games that he played uh, since he has come back. But I mean, it's been a year, right? Um, but he had like taken like twenty four shots. I think he hit four of them um, in those first two games. And then last night, you saw kind of what he can bring to the table. He he forced a shot clock violation on Kawhi, which is very rare. And he also just straight ripped the ball from him. He did the Kawhi move to Kawhi. Um, all the while, made some shots in the game. But all in all, like that was that was. Uh, they play again tonight, those two teams. So, I mean, I'll go see them play again tonight. But it was kind of shocking um, how big of a run out that was. But anyways, I got home, and we were on a, a, a text thread where that Pelicans game was still on by the time I got home. And so I was able to watch the fourth quarter of that game. And it was odd because you you cannot watch the Pelicans without, at least for me this week, um, Harkening back to the video you just posted about Zion and his playmaking, and you had some crazy stats in there. For those that haven't watched it, The Void, you can go pull it up on YouTube. Um, and then you watch the Pelicans and you watch like kind of how they use Zion through that prism of what you had just covered, because that's what was on my mind. And it is, I mean, truly malpractice. Like... I don't understand. Now, for those that didn't see the game, game's nip-tuck goes down to the wire. Zion's killing it, as he has been for the last couple of weeks offensively. And at the end of the game, like the last couple minutes, you know, he doesn't get the ball. Like, these are the biggest possessions of the game. Like, just give him the damn ball. I don't understand. It's like you've got this superhuman on your team that is totally unstoppable and he's just I mean he's doing cardio the last two and a half minutes of the game it's It's crazy yep it's ridiculous and so in in the video uh, the stat you're talking about it was via second spectrum that in the last five games or the last you know couple weeks he's averaged about 14 pick and rolls run per game is the ball handler that's compared to before January 30th is about like one and a half one. I mean, that is. And and so, but the thing is, is in last night's game, Chris, I counted, I was watching last night. I counted one, the entire game, one in the first quarter, Zion running pick and roll one, 
one when it's been one of the most effective plays in the NBA was when Reddick screens for Zion or when Lonzo screens for Zion. They get away from him too much. It's sometimes it feels like they forget about the talent that they have in him. And granted, the Bucks I thought did a pretty nice job defending Zion in instances in which that, that he did have the ball. There's there's a, a time where you just gotta feed one of your two best players. You, you there's just a time when you got to make well, that Well, here's happen. the thing, Kev, in reference to that video and irreverence what we're saying, just let him bring the ball up the court. You you had clips from a Grizzlies game of uh, of which I was well aware the week before. They blasted the Grizzlies and Zion was bringing the ball up the court and I remember saying uh to my buddies that I was like I was like what the hell are you supposed to do? Like, you're going to go run a double team at him? Like, I guess, like, just to try Pressure to get the ball him, out know, of his hands. Yeah. A little like, bit of a press, but if he, it, like, I'm not talking about focal. If you just give him the ball at the top and he's 30 feet from the basket, I mean, you, you had in the video too, he's number one in the league in drawing fouls on isolations. Yeah. And that's in a league with Trey Young, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, like you name the guy. Number, number one in the league at drawing fouls on isolations. Number one at rebounding his own misses. <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I mean, like he, he's already do a want? dominant force. <laughs> what do you want? Like, so in the case that you do slow him down, you typically foul him. And which, by the way, Brooke Lopez may have actually done on that yes. drive near the end of the game, but and, you know, close play. And in the case that you do a great job and you force a miss, he gets the ball back. <laughs> like that's what the numbers tell you. Yeah. Right? So what are you supposed to do here? And instead he's like an innocent bystander to this loss. It's, it it's crazy to me. And it does. And you saw this. Uh, we saw it in that Boston game. I mentioned this on Tuesday because we had watched it over the weekend and it was like, you know, they went to halftime. He's like one for four. And then like in the second half, it's like, oh yeah, Zion Williamson plays for us. And <laughs> it was, there's nothing the Celtics or anybody else could do. It's, a, it's the same story. Like every night, like it's, it's, un- there's two things that are unbelievable. A, their record. B, the fact that they are 30th in the NBA in defense is just abhorrent with Eric Bledsoe and Lonzo and Steven Adams. And like the team is set up for defense. Like you don't have, but like those guys hurt you offensively, you know, like, because you saw, you can't just swing it out to them and they're going to bury a three. You saw Bledsoe last night. Like he Bledsoe's greatest contribution to your team theoretically is defense. Steven Adams' greatest contribution to your team theoretically is defense. And it's like you're the worst. How? 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 And yeah, I swear we're 30 games into the season. They are the most confusing team I've ever seen. 
They are. Truly. They are. I mean, I thought they, the comment that we used in the void from Stan Van Gundy earlier this month is really interesting. He, he basically said how early in the season or beginning of you know preseason training camp time, everybody was talking about the Pelicans like, well, how is the offensive spacing going to work? This is Van Gundy. Like He's saying this. Everybody's talking about spacing. How's it going to work? You know, but we were a good defense at the time and things have flipped. He said we did a 180. Now the offense is like number one, number two in the NBA over the last ha- handful of weeks and their defense stinks. It's last in the NBA in recent games. It's nearly last in the NBA over the course of the full season. And Van Gundy said, he said, even though I'm a defense first guy, I'd prefer it this way because if you have a hard time scoring points, you'll be like banging your head against the wall trying to generate buckets. He says defense he feels like is fixable. Do you feel like like their defensive issues are fixable? Is this just, is this just a matter of like the team's too young, you know, effort's not there, you know, with Zion focus levels and all that? This is what I would worry about. I would worry that, I don't know when it was, two and a half weeks ago, three weeks ago, before they started winning some odd games in a row or out of how many, um, there was a story that I read that came out and it was uh, Stan Van Gundy saying that what they were doing was after games, um, he would get Zion Williamson and Brandon Ingram and they would all, and they would go sit in his office and they would watch film. That's what they would do. Right. And so I was like, Oh, okay. Cause you remember that one time he took, it, this was not long after he took Zion Williamson out of a game yeah, yeah. for defensive purposes. And then it was like, okay, I can't lose him. So now I want to get the best players on the team on my side. So we're in there and we're watching film. And it was kind of like this, oh, well, now kind of everything kumbaya. They're kind of coming together. And the defensive numbers, at least for a game or two, got a little bit. But the fact that we're we're past that. Like, I read that story a couple of weeks ago. And it's like, nothing's changed. Like, they still, they still don't stop anybody. I mean, um, I, I think guys have individually, Zion has had some better moments, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I think in off-ball help situations and... He's been better. Ingram, that to me is the disappointment there because I've said this a whole bunch of times on the pod. His last season with the Lakers, really his last two seasons with the Lakers, I thought he was very good defensively. As his offensive load has increased dramatically with New Orleans getting more opportunity to be a star scorer, it has hurt his defense. And is is it a matter of effort? Is it a matter of focus? Is it a matter of conditioning? I don't know the answer to that. But Ingram needs to get back to being the same defensive player he was before. There should never be a moment in which he feels like a liability, but too often he does. And with Zion, I think over time, he will get better. I feel some confidence in that. We're seeing steady progress. So for the New Orleans Pelicans, it really just might be a matter of the fact that these two guys are still super young and they're carrying these heavy offensive workloads for the first time. And that's another thing Van Gundy said. He's like, there's a a higher level to conditioning for... Mm you know, a star level player to be able to do everything, to handle the ball all the time, to also defend at a high level. So, you know, with these guys, maybe it's just about breaking through that, that ceiling, you know, that well, maybe a plateau they're already at right now. And the other thing is we could focus on the individuals and, and what they, uh, whether it's Zion, whether it's Ingram, there's clearly the biggest yeah. names on the team, but Defense is a team thing and mm-hmm. you watch them and that team does not talk to each other and it's not you know, on the proverbial string as you usually when, when you see some of these really good teams you can you you can see on the screen the communication between these teams right and calling things out and constantly 
you know, everybody knows where to be when um, and who's switching on who or how they're going to defend this particular action. And you don't see that with them in the same way that you see it with good teams. I tell you, like, if you ever see, like, because I saw them earlier this year in person, if you ever watch the Lakers in person, you get it. You understand why their defense is now their offense stinks this year. Um, you know, so far they, they've had but, guys out too, of course. Yes, and they've had Schroeder out, they've had AD. Yeah, yeah. But their defense is still good. They're and and it is because they are barking out to each other. Yeah. If there constant, is one constant thing, communication. Constant yep. communication. And you see it. Critical, and that, the, the good teams uh, do that. It's the truth. You, you got to communicate while you're, whether you're playing an NBA game or you're playing Warzone. You got to <laughs> communicate. It's the truth. <laughs> uh, um, so, and that game ended in the most bizarre way ever. And we're talking about the Bucks game. You have DiVincenzo make two monster plays down the stretch. Oh, that offensive rebound. Well, first yes. of all, I think that play was great. Like that was a preview of what you're going to see more of from the Bucks in the playoffs. High pick and roll. Chris Middleton handling the ball, Giannis screening. Giannis mm-hmm. rolled hard to the rim, caught the ball around the free throw line on the short roll, and immediately, you know, the defense collapses inside to stop Giannis from getting into the paint. And he kicks it out to a wide open DiVincenzo. He missed the shot, but that's a quality wide open look for a quality shooter. And I bet we're going to see a heck of a lot more of that type of pick and roll from the Bucks with Giannis on the short roll, being able to pick apart defenses in the postseason. That we're going to well, see that a heck of a and, lot and, more. And, and one of the things you saw with Giannis last night, and this is what he's going to have to do this in the playoffs. He gets that floater game working. He becomes a different offensive player. He really does. Because he's kind of got that, you know, if you yeah, can get, You're saying extend his range out from yeah, three feet, if, right? But if you, can just, three? Okay. if you can just get to that spot where you yeah. can knock down floaters, floaters are available now. People are trying to run you off of the rim and off the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And so that mid-range, and it doesn't have to necessarily be mid, and he can get there in one step. But if he can knock down that little, like, six, seven-foot floater, now he's now he's a different weapon, truly. And he hit a couple of those last night, and I was like, oh, like not going all the way to the rim, just stopping up short because you can't block it. Yeah. <laughs> he's too long, right? I mean, it becomes like actually, if he could make that like a shot that like is that you can count on, that's that's a real problem for people. And in the absence of being able to knock down threes, you know, you're looking for different things you could theoretically add to your arsenal. That is one that's totally doable. It's just knocking down that little, you know, mid-range floater. Um, and then anyway, the end of the game, DiVincenzo makes those big plays. And then, you know, that that that's just a like the Pelicans, like not knowing what you're doing in 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 regards to time and score. And they just they were clueless. Like Alonzo passes up a three. He uh, he wanted absolutely no part of it. So I don't even know why he's out there if he's not willing to shoot a wide open three um, with the game on the line. And then Ingram ends up just barreling over DiVincenzo and the game's over. That was was a weird possession. We've had a couple of those in the last week. I don't want to jump too far ahead here with some stuff to discuss, but we saw that with Trey Young towards the end of the Atlanta game Mm -hmm. last week against Cleveland where he passed the ball with .8 left instead of 
putting up a shot. We saw that with the Denver game with the three on one and transition in which like, why are you not attacking the basket on a three on one? Uh, just some time situational basketball has been kind of a mess the past week in some end game situations. <laughs> okay. So that was the thing that took over social media the most last night was the end of that Denver Nuggets game, which was absolutely appalling because it is, you know, when people complain about, Hey, there's, there's, there's so many, there's too many threes uh, that get taken and teams just focus on this so much um, that when it comes down to it's when, when, when everything, when it goes too far is when you have a three on one break and you're down by two and Jamal Murray stops at the three point line instead of go. Everything about it was appalling. And both the, both the players that were on the break with him, including Porter jr ran out to the three point line. They flank out to the three point line. And that is, you know, that can certainly be, they practice this stuff on odd man breaks too. Um, now three on one is not enough. That's when it got extreme. No, no, no. I'm saying they practice running out to the three point line. Oh yeah, yeah. No, if you I ever know, watch they these teams, they don't practice clearly enough. An end game situation in which the habits that you've built for many situations don't apply. Like, well, the other like, thing like, is, I mean, let me like Chris. I I grew up a spoiled Patriots fan. Mm. You know that. Yep. Belichick talked all the time about situational football. End game situation. We saw this in the Super Bowl against the Seahawks. Like, obviously, it's easy to look back. They made the right decision not to call a timeout against the Seahawks. But situationally in football, you need to think through all of those scenarios. They knew to send Malcolm Butler out on the field. They had planned mm-hmm. that. We saw that in the NFL films, yep. you know, when they practiced it out. Basketball, like, it's a different type of sport. You don't have two weeks to prepare or one week to prepare during normal regular season like you do in the NFL. But that that's what I saw last night during that Denver game. That 301 situation was they're doing what they would normally do when the defense is also getting back and there's two guys kind of in the paint preventing a layup and you're going out to the three-point line. But in that situation, you gotta read the play in the moment and be prepared. You gotta know. You gotta know what's gonna happen. And I took I took some serious issue with Michael Malone throwing Michael Porter Jr. under the bus there. Mm. Did Michael Porter Jr. make the wrong play? Yes, he did. He made the wrong play. But as the head coach of an NBA team, it's your responsibility to protect the players. Malone should have gotten up there and instead of saying Michael Porter Jr. made the play, he should have said Michael Malone should have prepared his team better. He should have said, it's on me as the coach. A mistake was made to assure that my players should know in this situation, end game attack, cut to the rim, get to the basket. Instead of saying all Michael Porter Jr. should have done was cut, he should have said, I should have instructed him clearly to do that, even if he did, because it's the responsibility of the coach to protect the players. And so I, I, I didn't like that last night, even if it was true. Because even at the worst, you say, I wish we could have it back. Yeah, or just right? give, you like just some, kind of, you get, give, kind give of a, some BS answer like that. I wish we could have yeah. that play back. Like, that's all you're going to do. But the last thing you should do is throw in the player under uh, the bus. How about this? How the about last this? thing you should do. I, I wish we could have that back. And then I know Michael and the other guys do too. Of course. Like, right? It's you're so all, simple. You're it's all so in the same simple. Right? We're all in the same boat. Here, yeah, right? it's so simple. Not like, this dumbass. Uh, he just we, <laughs> we, we all wish we could get that play back. Michael wishes we could have that play back. And as the coach, I need to do a better job of preparing my players for that yep. those end game situations. Boom, it's over, it's done. Like that's all you gotta do. 
<laughs> and I, I just took some serious issue with that last night. I, I, I don't yeah. know if anybody has the numbers on this, but I thought it was so fascinating. We were on a text with Rosillo last night, and he was saying, I would love to see the numbers of how many times a team is down two and they take a two. He said, I've got to believe it feels like eight, and he watches a ton of games. 80% of the time, the team down two takes a three. That's what he he theorized. I wonder what the number is, but it does feel like at some point we've got to draw a line at to where the gimme buckets, and we do see this all the time. If you're watching NBA games to where a guy can, he has a straight line to the basket and he gives up a layup to throw it out to the three-point line or a guy gets an offensive rebound could easily just put it back in the goal, but turns around and throws it back behind the three-point line. It's crazy. Like, there has become an over-reliance on this. There's no doubt. To when you are giving up what would be 80, 90, 100% two-pointers, just for the chance at making a three-pointer? I don't don't think it's, it's like some rampant issue. But we do see it more often where players are conditioned. It's like it's like the end, end game situation we just talked about in Denver. You yeah. have a chance to get a layup to tie up the game with seconds left, and Jamal Murray kind of pulls up short, and nobody cuts to the basket. It, they're conditioned to do that over the course of the forty-seven minutes prior in the majority of situations when the defense is actually back. Just like you're talking about with offensive rebounding, I think the the flip side could also be said. There are a lot of instances where a big guy might grab an offensive rebound and and hucks it back up instead of kicking it out. And that's something I, I always used to piss me off a lot over the years watching the NBA is when guys wouldn't kick it out and restart the offense, especially back when the shot clock used to go back to 24. Now mm. it goes to 14. A bit of a difference there. But I think it goes both ways there, Chris, when it comes to offensive rebounding. Some guys kick it out too often. I'm just talking about some, when some there's nobody around out. you. Oh, I know, about, I know. That's I know. What I'm, I'm just saying. About. I'm just saying. But like, you know, there's it, it's offensive rebounding is weird. I, I I like I like seeing them kick it out, but not when it's wide open. We do see <laughs> that more often. But it's, it's because because of conditioning. I'm saying like mm. they're trained to do that. You know, you're you're it's the habits you have built in to look out instead of looking back up at the rim. Um, yeah. But you know, it's hard to read that play. Well, and then you are conditioned so much that when you're down by two with the game on the line, everybody flares out to the three-point line yeah. instead of going and making a yeah. layup. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, was, that is that is like that, that's what they thought to do. You know what I mean? And and, and most of the time, most of the time, it's the, the right thing to do. It's just in that situation, like it's the utter wrong thing to do. I mean, yeah. And yeah. I agree with you on. Gotta read the play. That's, Gotta that, read the play. That's, 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 a, that's a bad job by him. He shouldn't. He shouldn't be doing that. Malone. Yes. I mean, with Malone, That's a bad job. like he, 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 I'm, he, I'm saying, forget the bad job of not preparing it for the moment. What, what, whatever players have to play. Um, it's throwing the players under the bus. I don't think you get any, I don't, I don't, I don't think you get any points in that locker room for coming out no. and saying these guys did something stupid. And it like, wasn't they, just Michael they know, Porter. They know. He, he, he hated on Jamal Murray at the end game moment there too. Yeah. In front of the media. Like, yes. I, I just, I just don't think that's something the coach should be doing. I don't need throwing either. the players under the bus. Yeah. No, I mean, like, what if, what if, what if at the end of the game, uh, you know, Jason Tatum takes his uh, two foot step back and clanks a three, and he says, and Brad Stevens comes out and he's like, you know, I wish Jason would have better shot selection with the game on the line. You know, I uh, th- that's not 
That's not what we want it'd in be that shocking. moment. It, it'd, it'd be shocking. If you'd that, be like, that, yeah. what? Yeah, I know. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. Like, what is it's wrong like, with you, it's man? Like, it's like, even like, first, if it is a crappy shot. Yeah. It's like, first of all, as a, as a fan or a media member, thank you for your honesty. <laughs> but secondly, why would you be honest? <laughs> yes. Right. I go, what are you trying to do yeah. here, man? Are you oh, trying to get man. everybody to hate you? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- that's the thing. Like that's I said. just frustration boiling over. They're I having know. a disappointing season. Yep. It was a Western Conference finals team. That's a 500 team now. Like we're, we're a little, we're getting that's, further into the season. That's part, and of, that's part of it though, man. Like is with adversity, how do you handle it? Yep. How do you handle adversity? And this is a team that's sorely underwhelming, like the Celtics are. It's, it makes sense you brought them up as, as another reference. But at least the Celtics have had like some injuries. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like you know, having Marcus some Smart excuses out you're has saying. been a thing. Yeah. yeah. I Marcus mean, Smart, but, Kemba, Kemba not looking like himself. Tatum right. was out with COVID at one point. Yeah. He, he, Tatum himself has had conditioning. Tatum himself said his conditioning isn't quite what it was prior to. Denver doesn't have as many excuses. No. You know what I mean? They've had a guy playing at like MVP level for this whole year um, so far. Uh, Another thing that uh, came up last night was rarely do you see the celebration of defense, but I could not help but notice that there were a lot of people mentioning how devastating Ben Simmons was guarding oh, Luka boy. last night. So good. Like you rarely see, would you, 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 I mean, when is the last time that you saw somebody get celebrated for the defense that they played, but spotlights on, you see everybody's watching Luka Doncic. And, and we, especially after this weekend where we just saw that crazy stuff, uh, happened at the end of their game uh, where he hits those two step backs in a row uh, to win the game, but against Boston. Now you fast forward, you know, Luke has been on this tear and here's the moment where he's going up and we'll see how, what do the Sixers do against Luca and Ben Simmons reminds everybody like I, I am the guy that can really fluster the stars. So here's the stats: Simmons versus Luca via Derek Bodner. Godner, to according to Sixers fans from the Athletic, <laughs> uh, Godner tweeted this last night. Uh, he watched all of uh, Luca's shots. He said he had him at seven points on three of nine shooting with five turnovers when defended by Simmons. Twelve hmm. points on three of four shooting when guarded by anyone else in the Sixers. So just to repeat that, seven points on nine shots with five turnovers when defended by Ben Simmons. Wow. Dominant stuff with Ben. And like, forget about the numbers, you know, like watching the game, you should, you could see how much Ben Simmons was making things difficult for Luca with his ability to get around screens, the size to match the physicality and the speed and the shiftiness. Not, not that Luca's fast, but he's, mm-hmm. his movements are quick with his footwork. And Ben Simmons could stick right with him, man. It was really, really impressive to watch that last night. It's really amazing. I don't know if you remember this, but a couple of months ago, well, it's now several months ago now, um, when we were first in that quarantine, there was no sports going on. And they just started, like, all these channels just started running whatever sports archives they could. One night... In my infinite boredom, they were reshowing the Sixers Raptors, um, and and they were reshowing that series. And for whatever it was on NBA TV, and I left it on, and I was like, "All right, I'll watch this." Or maybe it was ESPN at that time that was showing it. What, whoever, somebody was reshowing it, and I started watching it. And I remember coming on the mismatch uh, not long after and saying, "Yo, I just watched this back because you forget 
you know, the way these things play out. You know, in the end, when we think about that series, we think about Kawhi's shot that hit the rim three yeah. times and dropped in at the very end. Um, and and Embiid, you know, in tears at the end of it. Um, but watching that back and watching Simmons guard Kawhi, it was the thing that I was left with thinking about after I'm watching it. Like, I know what happens in the game, but he just was making it so hard on that guy. The numbers were the numbers. Kawhi had great numbers, but he could make him so inefficient. And you saw in the moments where he was guarded by Simmons, he was not doing what he wanted to do. And just swallows guys up. He is so damn big and agile that he really is. He is a special defensive player. And it was odd to see somebody get so many kudos for their defense last night, because that is just such a rarity now. And rightfully so, man. Yeah. Rightfully so. Like, you know me with Ben Simmons, my relationship with him. I've always over the years knocked him for the shooting hand and all that. But I, I, I think you have to give credit to a guy for making improvements in other areas. He has become the best possible version of himself that he could be on the defensive end of the floor. That's a testament to the work he puts into the focus to the, the fact that like he is going out there with the determination and the mindset to be a lockdown guy and doing that every night that takes commitment. You know, it takes a will to do well, it. And he look, is. And, and then offensively, he's doing the little things. He's, he's sending screens, Chris. That wasn't something mm-hmm. he wanted to do or even did that often in the past. He's doing it more often. So you, you got to give that guy credit for, the big flaw is the shot and it still is, mm-hmm. but he's do he's done everything he possibly can to overcome that by maximizing his talents in every other category, every other category. He's very, very good or great or even elite. Well, and I, I, I said this a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I think that, I think that's the team that's going to be in the finals. I do from the Eastern conference. And part of that is because with this guy, let's assume they're healthy. If I know I can, take out or even if I don't take out at the very least make the best perimeter player on any team I'm facing wildly inefficient because I've got him. I mean, that just goes such a, I mean, (laughs) it goes such a long way towards being able to win a series. Like, I mean, if I can, if I take whoever your best guy is, whoever your best perimeter guy is, if I can throw him on him and he's not going to get his numbers, he's not getting his averages. Because you need guys to step up and be better than they've normally been. Playoff time, I think that creates, you know, and of course, obviously, behind him, you've got Embiid. So it's not like... (laughs) Well, you know, with those top three teams in the East, Philly, Brooklyn, and Milwaukee, you know, one, it does get to that point. It's going to be fascinating to see what these teams resemble at that point, what type of, you know, scheme shifts that they make. You know, like Milwaukee right now is trying out more switching than they've done in past seasons. They're doing doing it quite a bit more uh, regardless of the lineup, but especially doing it with Giannis at the five, which they don't, don't do a lot, but maybe we see them go to that at a high rate in the postseason. With Philly, though, they match up really nicely with Milwaukee. You can start out Ben Simmons on Chris Middleton if you want to and have him bead on Giannis. And you can switch those screens if you want to and comfortably f- survive with Embiid on Middleton and have Simmons still on Giannis. You could not switch that and have the, your two best defenders against the two best opposing offensive players. Brooklyn's going to be the team that really presents the. Yeah, the but serious the fascinating challenge. thing about that is in what, uh, in what world would you ever think you would have a player 
that you could throw on Kyrie, Harden, or Durant. Yeah, I know. He could guard any of them. And Simmons has that level of versatility, yeah. You could just have him totally try to swallow up a Harden or a or a, or a Kyrie, and odds or, are he'd odds are he'd probably be Katie or or Harden. Like then he actually has the size to where yeah he has yeah. the size where he could you know again you're not you're not stopping these guys you're trying to make them score Just their thirty points yeah yeah you're trying to make them score their thirty points on thirty shots yeah which is actually what Kawhi did yeah <laughs> I mean he did he scored like yeah. you know thirty but if you can make them do it. On you know uh, on thirty shots instead of be twelve of seventeen and go to the line you know ten times, now all of a sudden that's a different world. But he's he's special defender. There's no way around that. Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows over ninety five live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Offer valid for new and eligible returning subscribers only. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. All right, Kevin, we have gotten a ton of email submissions, and we said that today we were going to try to get through as many as we can. Oh, one other thing before we get to the email submissions, I do want to mention. I happen to watch uh, the G League. My producer here uh, does G League games, and he, he's been doing pregames or whatever, and so um, I've been watching some of those. And uh, so the Memphis Hustle, which is the G League team from here, they're, they've got your guy Tyrell Terry playing for them. Uh, for a while, they had one of the guys from the Bucks who they've called up, Sam Merrill, um, who is a young player for them. Uh, but anyways, this, uh, uh, so they played that team ignite the other day. Uh, that's the team that's got all the kids that went straight from high school into the G league. So they got Jalen green and they got Kabunga and they've got Isaiah Todd. Um, and they also have like these veterans around them, like, which is brilliant. Like Jarrett Jack is the one that feeds it to them on the breaks and stuff. I love seeing Jarrett Jack out um, there. <laughs> Kevin, let me tell you something. That Kabunga dude. Holy crap. Yeah. He is awesome. Like awesome. Awesome. Like, I, I don't know where he's going to end up on these draft boards, but I, I, you know, I had not seen him in a long time. Of course, you know, you see the highlight mixtapes from high school or whatever, but seeing him in that game, going up against guys that have like NBA experience. So in some cases, a lot of NBA experience, this guy is a guard and they would throw it out to him 
bam, knocked down a three with no hesitation. I'm talking in big moments. And then he was posting people up and had post moves. And then he'd catch it on the break. He caught one on the break. He friggin' windmilled it. I'm like, yo, who is this guy? This, that is a special talent, man. Um, now, Jalen Green, in his own right, is yeah. a very special talent. And everybody D- knows about types of players. Yeah. He's, he, you know, look, he is mega athlete. But those kids, like watching them in that setting, and I have seen even NBA guys and certainly first and second round picks go down there, they do not look like that. They just don't. These kids are, they are different. And they look like if you put a lottery pick in the G League. I think this, I think this is going to be huge for their development and for their draft stock. Because there is no way I would encourage anybody tune that kid in and watch him. And he is playing against men. He's playing against guys like, you know, David Stockton. I saw one of the highlights, a Gary Payton's kid. Like these mm-hmm. are uh Yogi Farrell. Like there's, but I mean, there's people that have like real NBA tenure um, that are in this and a bunch of guys fighting and a bunch of guys that are on two ways that have a roster spot uh, for an NBA team. And holy crap, this kid. Kaminga. I was I was over the moon watching him. Kaminga. Let me get this right. Kaminga, right? Yep. Is that right now? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. I've been saying it wrong the whole time. (laughs) Jonathan Kaminga. I apologize to the Kaminga family, but he is, he's sensational. Sensational. He's really good, man. Uh, Different types of players. I don't give a damn what his name is. I take him high. Yeah, definitely. No (laughs) doubt about it. Different types of players, him and Jalen Green, but um, both of them top five, top six guys in this year's draft. Dude, it's a a good year. It's going to be a good draft. I'm I'm looking forward to having the, uh, the Ringer's 2021 NBA draft guide come out in a couple ah. of weeks or, or months. I'm not sure when exactly we'll do it, but I think sometime this month we'll have something out during March okay. Madness. Okay, yeah. during March Madness. Yeah, yeah. I've tried to so. watch. Uh, I've tried to watch some more college basketball, especially since football ended. And um, I don't know. Like that. I honestly like. I found myself way more entertained by the G League stuff. I really did, and that's just because mm. of the level of talent. Yeah. There's not, the, there's the not the guy is high, man. It's good out, outside of Cunningham and a few other guys in college. There's nobody that I like really go out of my way to seek out. Uh, I wonder watch. if this will be more of a path. I, I think it will be that that's my hunch, but we'll see. Well, especially, I mean, look, that green kid got a half a million dollars, Kevin. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's not like he got a hundred. Uh, I mean, so, sometimes, sometimes you can get half a million from a college too. But <laughs> uh, all I know is it's not a hundred grand. So I'm not, so I'm not wrong. It's the truth. Half a million. <laughs> I did have a player. I want to tell you this school. I had a player one time that told me that they uh, he went he went to a school. No lie, like, he went to a school to get recruited, and they gave him like the school's book bag. Like, and they were like, hey, we filled it up with some swag and whatever. And he got back to his hotel room and it was just rubber bands, wads of cash in the book bag. He didn't even know what he was. He said, I didn't even know what I was carrying. I didn't even know. Like, I thought it was really like, you know, T-shirts and swag and whatever. Unbelievable. (laughs) Truly unbelievable. 
Wow. These are the things that guys never talk about, right? Yeah. You never, like, no, that person would never tell that story in a million years, like, to <laughs> to, to, to people. Uh, but, yeah, had a friggin' book bag just filled with cash. I was like, man, what a life. College basketball's got some competition. They must have really wanted you. (laughs) All right, Kevin, we got a lot of listener submissions via email. Producer Sasha has them all together. The ones that we can get to, we'll get to as many as we can. All right, Sasha, what do we get this week? Well, uh, we got a lot of great questions this week. Just want to shout out everybody. This was this is a really good batch, really great batch this week. So the first one I want to get to is a basketball question. Then we got a bunch of really good non-basketball questions. So we'll do when Kawhi and PG went to the Clippers, there was a lot of hype over this team having two stars with elite two-way versatility and the nightmare it would create for other teams going against their defense. Fast forward to today, and it seems like the Clippers have potential matchup problems with most Western Conference contenders, even though the sport's becoming more positionless. Do you guys think the value of the elite two-way wing player is a bit overhyped? Are we seeing the value of the big man, Embiid, Jokic, AD, Gobert, Gobert, start to rise again? That's from Christian. I would say yes on the big men front. There's no question the value of big men has gone up. I would also say that you still have to have guys to match up with those guys. And you could say, well, there's a lot of teams out there that have guys that can match up with those guys. Um, But that's because of the value of if you don't have it, you're screwed. So I would just say that the value has been so high that, yeah, generally the good teams have versatile wing players now. And so, and you need that. And now I think you are, you know, there's always patterns within the league. And I think you're seeing more teams now uh, want to have a legitimate big guy because they know they have to go up against Anthony Davis and Nikola Jokic and whoever else. But that we already went through the wave of you really need versatile wings. And so those guys are still uh, the, the best of the best at that. And yeah, there might be teams that have that, but I still think they create you an advantage over and over again. And I will tell you, like last night, I watched them in person and they got blasted by the Grizzlies. But in part, it's because the Grizzlies had Kyle Anderson, they had Justice Winslow, and they had Dylan Brooks. These are all big, versatile guards that were able, wing players that were, so they had somebody to throw with those guys. Um, which created that problem. But I mean, look, if you don't have the wings, you're, you're in a, you're in a, you're in a bad way. I do think they, they need to improve their bigs. They need to improve their bigs. They only have Ibaka. They have Zubac. They bring off the bat. Like they need to, they need to get a big guy, somebody better than what they've got right now. And so to that point, I would say yes, but I'd still in a land of versatile wings, I'd still, Want Kawhi and Paul George? Yeah, I, I agree with Chris there. I, I'm not so sure that the value of the two elite two A wings has dropped necessarily as much as just the value of bigs has risen, and the the amount of high level bigs have risen that has necessitated that teams have a big that can stop them. And I do think you'll see, like, let's just say we see Clippers Lakers in the playoffs at some point. You'll probably see sometime Kawhi or George on AD. And then the other one on LeBron, 
And that way, like they have that level of positional versatility to do that and switch those screens and, you know, and alternate between them. So it still matters a heck of a lot to have those guys. But yes, the big, the, the rise in the valley of the bigs um, has created some issues for those teams. All right. Uh, let's move on to everyone's favorite player to talk about this season or to not talk about, but to say that he's playing well and that he deserves better. Zach Levine. With Levine playing at an all-star level this season, it is, is it time for the Bulls to move to Lowry Markkinen or to move Lowry Markkinen? And what does the market for him look like? That's from Jed. I talked a little bit about this with Kenny Beecham on this week's episode of Ringer NBA University, who came on as a guest afterwards. And, um, you know, with Lowry, Bulls fans, a lot of them feel like they are ready to move him. And that's because of the fit issues with some of the other guys on that team. And yes, including the rise of Zach Levine. But... I, I still look at Lowry and it's like he's still a young guy who's had some injuries early in his career, who's averaging nearly 20 points per game, who has offensive versatility. I wonder if he's one of those players who can end up being a late bloomer. So for Chicago, they do need to mix this up. They do need to get the right blend of talent around Levine, but also the trading Lowry. I want would want something good back because there's still a lot of talent there that could turn into something for you. I feel like Markinen's uh, value is at an all-time low right now, don't you? It's definitely lower after all the injuries and everything. Yeah, I wouldn't trade him now. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want to get to the offseason, get to the offseason. But theoretically, he is the kind of guy that you would like on a Levine-Kobe-White team. Somebody that they can, when they drive, and the guy from the corner has to pinch in, you could just throw it out to, and he can be a marksman, a knockdown corner three guy. Um he actually is the type of guy, in theory, that you would want. Um, he's got to be able to knock those down at a very high rate. And I do think that could be his destiny in the league, is being one of those knockdown type of guys. I mean, you would hope he's like Bertans, you know? And you could say, well, I hope he's better than Bertans, but I mean, Bertans just got paid a fortune. He paid $80 million for being able to knock down shots after guys drive and kick. So, I don't know. His 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 value is so low right now. I would I would I'd hold on until I could get that value back up because I I think you're getting fifty cents on the dollar diamond at best hands for him right now. Nope. Diamond hands. Diamond hands. <laughs> those diamond hands, Chicago. Uh, okay. So th- that was fun. I just really quick, really quick. I don't want to get too far into this, but are you guys worried about the Lakers at all? Tyronis no. Rex asked. I'm asking. <laughs> We're all asking, are you worried at all? Just really quick. No, no, not worried. Not worried about the Lakers. They have injuries right now. 80s out. Sh- yeah, I out. mean, it's, 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 it's as simple as this. They ain't winning shit without AD. Right. But if they yeah. get AD back healthy, don't bet against them in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I would say. You okay. know what I mean? Like, again, it's a regular season. I would only be worried. I, I would only be worried about AD's injury. If it is serious and he's gone, it's over. He ain't winning nothing. But if he's back and he's AD, I mean, come on. They're still the favorite. <laughs> Who, no matter what happens right now. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Okay, really quick. Uh, which NBA player, retired or current, would would you want to be the next Bachelor? That's from John. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who would be funny? Who would be like a funny player? 
Is to, is your guy Blake Griffin? Tony Allen is is he is he no, married? No, he's married to kids. Right? Okay, all right. Who's like uh, a Tony Allen esque like funny personality? J.R. Smith. How about who you know who seems funny as a young <laughs> guy? J.R. Smith. <laughs> you, you know, you know who J.R. Like? Smith. That he's famous for the you know you trying to get the pipe. Tyree, so, I mean, <laughs> right? So, Tyree Halliburton's been a, been really engaging and funny on Twitter as our nice rookie. He's young well, guy. he's maybe one not, of those guys who's marriage. like so young where you're you'd be like, <laughs> actually, don't get married at the end of this. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe he's too young for that. I don't know. Um, I don't know who's single. Jr. is Jr. Jr. not married, right? Let's go with Jr. Jr. Okay, is my Jr. Answer, Jr. Smith. Funny. Oh my god! If you told me Jr. Smith was a bachelor, I would never miss an episode. He is ever. not getting married at the end. <laughs> like he's just not. Okay. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not loving the season right now. Matt James is too bland on the show. He's got to show his personality, man. Hot he's got to show yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Ricardo from Italy would like to ask both of you. What would be the first thing you do once this shit is over? <laughs> AKA the pandemic. Um, yes. Yeah. And he said yeah, he'd give you a uh, free tour of Italy. <laughs> oh, I'd love that. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd love that would be a great first thing to do after this. I, don't yeah. know, I just look I just look forward to having like a dinner with friends. Simple as that. See like seven, eight people and have a big group dinner and just share plates. I look forward to that. That's just yeah. something simple. I'd say go out to eat. Uh, and I would say, I'd say go out to eat and I would, I would say go to a, like a concert. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. miss that. That's a good one. I, I haven't been to a concert since November, 2019 when I saw Mount Joy play at the Wiltern in Los yeah. Angeles. Great band, friends of the show, Mount Joy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that was a great, great time. The audience was so into it. I remember just at one point because they're my friends, like in the band, just turning around and seeing smiles of people singing along and just thinking, that's awesome. I'm so yeah. happy for them. Uh, just to be able to be on stage and look out at that. And uh, yeah, I look forward to those moments again, dude. People just all together in one big room together for one moment. I miss it, dude. I miss it. I would, I, I agree with you guys about like dinners and concerts and stuff. I think one thing that I really can't wait for is for farmer's markets to be normal again. Because right now there's like, there's just like way less stands and like, it's, Mm. you have to be like super careful about like touching stuff. You can't pick out your own stuff. And I know it's like, this is a small thing, but if you do it every week, it it adds up. So I can't wait for that to be like more normal experience again. All right, let's do some video game stuff for video game week. Um, This is a fun one. If you could live in a video game world, what world would you choose? That's from POW. Hmm. That's a good question. Is there any game that your son plays, Chris? That you're like, oh, I'd love to hang out there. Animal Crossing. Yeah, he only he only plays sports games. <laughs> oh my man! <laughs> Maybe you oh, live man. there. It's familiar to reality. You spend time yeah. at. Yeah, yeah. Grizzlies he only he only he only plays sports games. I really, the majority of them, I, I only played sports games except for, you know, the Mario games, Sonic, Zelda. Yeah. Mm, Zelda would be a fun one. I, trying to I think. think I think I would choose Verdansk Warzone. I know every inch of that map. <laughs> I, I know I know I know everything. I know where <laughs> I know everything in that map. Every Did corner you get shot of it. <laughs> I know, but like <laughs> I'm but pretty Chris, good. You, you have I can more lives. <laughs> Yeah, oh, you do? Re- you just keep respond. regenerating? Can respond, yeah. Yeah. Can respond, it seems, yeah. It seems like a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, I guess I, I, I guess I would say like Mario 3D World. Oh, that's <laughs> okay. fun. I've never played Animal Crossing, but I think I would probably pick Animal Crossing. Um, be, okay. That's a good one. Really good one. There's a community. Right. Or Farmville. <laughs> ah, Farmville. <laughs> that's, that's a cool. great that's one. That's cool. Um, speaking of Warzone, Kevin O'Call of Duty, what's your go-to Warzone loadout? That's from Brandon. I mean, we'll we'll figure out the loadout with the new season that's mm. just started up. But typically, I like going with the MAC-10 as my secondary. You got to have that for close range. And then I like going with an LMG usually. I think in my team, I'm not the the leader in kills and games usually, but I do think there's a lot of value in suppressor fire. And so I like going with a PKM 200 rounds or even a Bruin 200 rounds. And if I don't do that, I'll go with like an AMAX um, or the Kilo, something like that as an AR. So... That's Wait, are you serious? Loadout. You're serious. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what that's I don't know what that you might as well. If you want to be like, you never snipe. You're, you're, speaking a, you're speaking a different language. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> How do you use the car? <laughs> and JM, do you like Rebirth Island? That's what he asked. Yeah, I like I like Rebirth Island. The talent pool is not quite as high as Verdansk, so it's it's fun to just plow through teams sometimes, and then there it's <laughs> it's fun to switch up the maps too. I'm excited for like in Warzone now in Verdansk, they get the ship, they get the ship there near prison. That's mm. that's like where my team likes to drop is prison. All righty, one more. Do you do you guys ever play uh, NBA Jam? Yes. Okay, so. Uh, who, who is your go-to team? And then also, uh, that's from Dustin. And then also Dylan asks, like, out of all of the, like, great duos in NBA history, like, including today, who would you, like, say is the, the best, like, two-man duo for NBA Jam? Draymond, mm. Steph, Shaq, Kobe, Jordan Pippen are the ones that he Could, could I choose, forward. like, Steph and Clay? Is that allowed? Yeah, that'd mm-hmm. be fun. Yeah, there's been there's been uh, there's been two guard teams before. That, that'd be fun. I never For really sure. played NBA Jam to be honest. No, you haven't. I played yeah, it yeah, arcade. I think I, little, little, I think I was a little too young for that, or I just didn't go to arcades. I wasn't cool. I wasn't a place I hung out. <laughs> so I, I I have I have an interesting one uh, where I have like I have an old Sega Genesis and I plugged it up recently, and me and my son have been playing on it. And oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. He had, he, he, uh, he got a little arrogant last week. And so he took, uh, he said, Oh, well, I'll just, uh, I'll just be, you know, the worst team, whoever it is. I'll be the Milwaukee Bucks. And he's like, Who is Lowhouse? And I was like, Brad Lowhouse. <laughs> and so he was, <laughs> he was him, but he got a little arrogant. So I buried him. Um, <laughs> you know, like a good yeah, dad him, should. I, like a good dad <laughs> should. <laughs> Haven't played since. That's what you get for taking Brad Lowhouse, stupid. Hasn't um, played since. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, don't want, you don't want this smoke. Are you out of your mind? Brad Lowhouse, how dare you? Uh, so yeah, we, uh, we played that quite a bit, but that's the old, that's the old, old version. Um, the one that we were playing. And so I would say on that one, uh, that's the one that has like Mad Max and Elijah Wan for the Rockets. It's got, I mean, it's got a bunch of really good teams on there. Um, but I would say, yeah, I'd probably say, I'd probably say that Rockets team. I'd probably say that Rockets team is pretty, because cause Maxwell's hits threes at a pretty high rate. Oh, Peyton Kemp too. That one's awesome. 
All right, that's going to do it for another episode of The Mismatch. Uh, Everybody have a great and safe weekend, and we will talk to you next week. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye.